you, you don't I don't want to make it seem like you have to take that approach. You got to keep in mind I am when it, if you can imagine the scale of trading from aggressive to conservative, I, I am I am a very conservative trader. I am becoming more aggressive of how I get involved in trades. And you're going to see that even more if this the thing I'm doing on the daily charts ever comes to fruition. But I'm very conservative in the opportunities I take. So that's how I've kind of balanced myself. I've, I've gotten more aggressive with entering. Right. When I find what I consider to be a good trade, I want to be in that good trade. I, I don't really want to wait. In the past, I used to have to wait for, you know, all the planets to align. <laughs> so if I find a good trade, I want to be in it. But I'm a lot more frugal with the types of trades that I look to involve myself in. CTS score 74. Well, I was, I was talking yesterday, I think it was with you guys um, about filtering. Um, it could have been my the other group of traders that I don't tell you guys about my second family, right? We're talking about, uh, you know, back testing and doing filters and stuff like that and and i was i was testing some stuff just really entry level testing some stuff over the over the um the break and i remember i was going through one year of data and i think i had like i think i had was on one 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 year of data on one pair and i think there were like 15 trading opportunities on it um and then I added this one filter and it, it, it cut 15 trading opportunities down to like, like four. <laughs> but, I, but I was okay with it. I was okay with that. So it's like, yeah, so the, for me, the, the, the more experience I get in trading, the, the frequency doesn't really, my, my frequency has gotten lower. Um, it doesn't really, I'm, I'm not too, I, I used to be very obsessed with trading all the time and always being involved in the market because I wasn't involved in the market. I wasn't really a trader. Um, I become less and less, um, less and I won't say desire. I, I'm no longer driven by the need to be in the market. I, I am. I'm. I've become a lot better with waiting, becoming a sniper, basically waiting for the move that I need to see. I'm no longer going out there with a Rambo gun and just like lighting them up, right? I'm, I'm, I am perfectly fine with sitting back and waiting and waiting and waiting. And when my time comes, um, but I think, I think it is interesting how I become, people ask if I become more aggressive. Yes. I used to require for every single trade, a double bottom with the RSI overbought at structure at fibs with divergence. And you can imagine how many, how, how often that happened. Not too much to now it's, it's, you know, higher, high, higher close. And in the future, not even a higher, high, higher close, a single, a single candlestick is what the plan is, at least. Again, I don't know if it's going to work. Who knows? Um, so more aggressive with that, but more conservative with where or what type of trade I enter. The delicate balance. CTS score of 74. Yes, I need everything. And don't forget, confluence by a correlating pair. Don't forget about that. Wouldn't more conservative mean less frequency, which means less returns? Not necessarily. Um, if you trade more and lose more, your returns will be lower. 
So again, the question is, wouldn't more conservative mean less frequency means less return? So the question is, does less frequency equal less returns? And the answer is not necessarily, because I can tell you this, right? If, if, if let's take me and Raymond, right? If I take 10 trades a year and I have a, a two to one risk reward, and, and let's say I win six of them, 60%, Raymond takes 100 trades a year. But Raymond has uh, an inverse risk reward and wins 20% of the time. I'm going to make more money than Raymond, even though Raymond trades more. So it's not necessarily frequency. It's not necessarily the amount of trades that you have. It's what are you doing with those trades? It's what are, what are you? <laughs> sorry, Raymond. What are you what are you doing with those trades? So if you can take less, and, and, and it's a delicate balance, and, and the true answer, you, you won't get a true answer un, un, unless you have the numbers. So there's no way I can, you can, you know, you have to have the numbers in front of you to be able to make that comparison. So there, you know, that, that's first and foremost, and, and which, which is why it's so important to do backtesting. But if you can become, if, if you take your backtesting results, and this is what we do during the backtesting process, typically we, we run a, what's called a baseline test. So the baseline test is kind of your, your general idea your your premise for what you want to accomplish there's no filters it's kind of like the raw just going after it right and typically you have a lot of trades right so you have your baseline test you you have your baseline test you look at your numbers now let's say you add a filter where you know raymond says okay well i i like it a lot of trades it gave me you know 100 trades for the year um at a you know a 40 percent hit rate but i'm not too comfortable with a 40 percent hit rate so i want to I want to see if I can add a filter to kind of get rid of some of those losses. And as always, filters are going to get rid of losses and wins. And, and filters are like qualifiers. So like you, you, you know, uh, um, indicator confluence, maybe a, a different type of entry, maybe uh, above or below a moving average, something like that, whatever, whatever it may be. Day of the week, time of the day, it could be any of that stuff, right? So let's say Raymond adds in a filter with, with the, the goal is to increase his win percentage, right? And, and let's say the filter works. Raymond adds in... Instead of buying at market, he requires a higher, high, higher close, right? Um, and let's say by doing that, he avoids a lot of those losing trades. So he knocks out a lot of losers and some winners out of his, out of his, uh, his data. So now instead of 100 trades, he has 80 trades. But he's also brought his win percentage up from 40% to 50%. Well, Raymond, you know, obviously has to look at the results, but... Raymond can have a lower frequency. He's taken less trades, but he's become more profitable. Let's say he does something to increase his risk reward as well, right? So there, there, there's so many moving factors where frequency matters because you you need to trade enough, right? If if you know, I worked. I, I tell you guys a story at a time. I used to work with a guy who had this super magic system, but it only offered two opportunities a year, and I'm like, what are you going to do with two opportunities a year? <laughs> like that's, that's too low of frequency. So there, there is a, there is a, there is a point where it's like, you got to trade, you got to have trades, right? You, you know, you could, if you're a hundred percent win percentage on two trades a year, that that's not really doing much, I guess, unless they're very large trades uh, and you better not miss that opportunity too. There's no room for error, right?
Um, but it doesn't. But more frequency, more time in the market doesn't necessarily mean more money. It it depends on what you're doing with that time in the market. If you spend more time in the market losing, um, you're gonna make less money than someone who trade who spends less time in the market winning. Um, and and that's it's one one of the myths out there in trading. It, it's one of the myths that that people a lot of people believe you need to spend more time in the market. Um, but yeah, but. What the frequency has to be, whether chopping down your frequency is is is, is helping or, or hurting your your trading, um, you won't know that until your back testing comes into account, and, and you have the numbers. And you can literally just do an A B test and, and look at them. Um, something else that is often not considered as well when it comes to frequency. Let, let, let's just say we, we look at frequency as um, as being like pairs, right? Where if you're trading a 10 pair portfolio, would you guys agree? If you're if you're trading a 10 pair portfolio, you're probably going to have higher frequency than someone that that trades a, a four pair portfolio, right? Makes sense, right? 10 pairs, more opportunities than four pairs. So you you, you would think, you would think that I should trade a bigger portfolio so I have more frequency because um, it'll produce more money. But what if there's a drastic difference in the results of your top four pairs and the other six, meaning you got four pairs that are just dynamite, right? Killing it. And then you've got like six pairs that are like, you know, they're, they're a little bit profitable. Like they're, they're you know, they, they help, but they're not like you wouldn't trade them on their own. Think about this, right? From a position stand, uh, position sizing standpoint, because we always want to manage risk, right? If you have a 10 pair portfolio, Right, you have your average position size has to be lower because you don't want to go over your maximum risk. Right, there is the opportunity that you can be involved in 10 trades at the same time. Right, you may not want to have a 20% exposure to the market by having a 2% risk on 10 pairs. Right, but what if you concentrated on only your four pairs, only your best performing employees, right? Your best pairs. And now that you didn't have that exposure of potentially having a 20% risk on from 10 pairs, what if that 20% risk was still your max overall risk? You can now increase your position size on those individual pairs. So what you're doing is you're betting more on the pairs that give you a better opportunity of profiting versus betting less on the pairs that give you a better opportunity of profiting and betting less on pairs that, eh, middle of the road, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a positive if I told you to bet more on what's going to give you the most profit? So that's another thing to take into account as well. It's less frequency, but because you have that less frequency, it allows you to put more into what works. And if you think about any business out there, right? And we've done this comparison a lot. If you know, if if you run a fast food restaurant, what you're looking at is you're looking at any any restaurant, any retail store, right? You're looking at your numbers, right? What sells, right? What sells, right? When 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 you when you when you do your you do your review and you have your results, right? You want to find out what is your best product, and you want to offer more of it, right? Whatever is your best selling profit, you want to offer more of it, right? You want to invest more in that product because that's what's coming off the shelf. What typically happens to the product that doesn't sell too much? 
it's a waste of space. It's a waste of money and it's a waste of space in the store. So you get rid of it. Trading is the same way, right? You may have less products to sell, but that's not necessarily a bad thing if you can invest more in your best-selling products. Raymond says, I just did a podcast on this yesterday from testing the dollar yen. Ha ha. Cut my back-tested trades in half, optimizing, and it was just as profitable. Nice. Check out Raymond's podcast. This little conversation may become a podcast. You, you, you might have just gotten a free promo, Raymond. Your Forex Faction podcast. Just Google it, it'll pop up. Might have just gotten a free promo. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm.